Hello, this is Steve Goldsmith, Professor of Urban Affairs at Harvard's Kennedy School, and you're listening to Data Smart City Pod, where we bring on top innovators and experts to discuss the future of cities and how to become data smart. Now, this is Steve Goldsmith, Professor of Urban Policy at the Harvard Kennedy School. I'm with today the founder and CEO of Esri, the world's leading platform for our geographic tools for cities, states, countries, and nonprofits. And we're going to talk to, we have a great opportunity to talk to Jack Dangerman. Let me just start by saying, I don't know, about, it must have been 25 years ago when I was mayor of Indianapolis and first met the, the Esri GIS guy in the corner of the city county building, I became aware of Esri. And uh, since that time, I uh, have uh, taught the Esri tools, have uh, worked for Jack, consider him a good friend. Jack, you're on the forefront of a lot of these issues. So let's take advantage of your time here to kind of push the frontiers of uh, state local governance and uh, GIS systems. So let me, uh, I'm going to start with just a general question about you and, and kind of what you're doing today. And then we'll go directly to kind of geospatial, but tell the audience just a little bit, um, what what took you this route in the first place, right? How did you see this usage of mapping? What went off in your head that led to the eventual uh, Esri uh, company? Well, as you know, Stephen, I started at Harvard, <laughs> so that's a good foundation. I uh, was studying landscape architecture and before that urban planning and environmental science. Uh, and I got acquainted with uh, a gentleman called Howard Fisher, who invented some of the first computer map making tools in the world in the basement of Memorial Hall over there. So uh, I just became fanatical about this, uh, seeing how computer based uh, information could really assist in urban planning and make cities better and also environmental planning better. So when I left Harvard, I came back here to California and started this organization. It's now sort of gotten out of hand, it keeps growing and uh, it's very, very popular. It's basically a, a center. We have about 12,000 people around the world who basically build, support our users uh, building these GIS tools. And then they do their work. We say we support them doing their work better in uh, urban as well as environmental uh, categories at all levels. Let me um, ask you a few questions that are a little bit, maybe a little bit abstract. After all, I teach at Harvard, but maybe, maybe not so much. I specialize in governance as contrasted to government, how you make, how you create public value across a number of sectors and systems and distributed systems that we all do every day on our iPhones or Androids. Uh, we live in distributed world. So distributed systems can create fragmentation or they could create value. So how do you think about the tools you're associated with just as a futurist Help us think a little bit about whether distributed systems present opportunities or they present challenges for us. Well, both, I think. I mean, you know how we're organized socially is into different stovepipes of activity. Engineers do engineering, policing does policing, planning does planning. Uh, and each of these different disciplines and also organizational components in cities develop uh, information systems. And these, as you rightly call them, are distributed systems. Some of them are systems for record keeping, like uh, keeping the parcel fabric you know, managed, the water networks managed, the utilities managed, the demographics managed, uh, and so on. And these separate individual systems are increasingly being made open so that people uh, who are you know, citizens or 
from department to department can use each other's data and they can fuse it, not confuse it, but fuse it. And this is exciting because what these systems all have in common is geographic references. Uh, you know, we all belong. I mean, all this data is somewhere in the city. Uh, and so GIS has this role of being able to take distributed databases and uh, visualize them as maps and then organize a way to bring those maps overlaying on top of each other so you see the whole. So city planners, mayors, politicians, they all see the whole. They listen to citizens, they talk about the whole, the whole meaning all the interrelationships in the city. Uh, and uh, they, they want to they have holistic solutions. This is what actually got me working uh, when, I was, when I was a kid at Harvard, is I could see that through geography, you could actually see the whole. So today, what we have is this amazing technology where all these individual distributed systems are being brought together through the infrastructure of the internet. And I don't know if you know Mike Batty. He's a, an old friend. He's a professor at the uh, University of College London, UCL, and has been writing recently about pandemics and the role of in, information uh, in the current pandemic. But he made reference to this fact that in, in the pandemic of 1918, the first one dealing with flu, millions of people died. Uh, people were going crazy, kind of like they are now. But there was emerging technology coming in the form of automobiles. And people began to, while this is very early, this was very early days in automobiles, they began to see that technology of automobiles could actually uh, make them feel better by being able to buy an automobile, live in the country, and you know, they got roads built and the whole city's changed. Uh, you know, the, the fabric of the city, the idea of the city, instead of riding on public transit or living in high-rise housing they could actually be out in the country. So the emerging technology of transportation in those days started to catch on during the pandemic. Today, we're in another pandemic and there's emerging technologies which are being talked about. He writes about it quite heavily about the emerging technology of digital. And you know, like you and I are talking today using a Zoom meeting, things have changed. If we look at downtown London where he lives, he refers to the fact that it's, it's virtually empty. And so the whole role of, of everybody being together and interacting with each other is being changed by the technology of, of digital and more specifically of things like Zoom and other things. This has caused me really to think a lot uh, about the role of, of GIS in the uh, digital city. Because if, if cities, if one of the infrastructures of cities uh, that's emerging, you know, just like automobiles emerged 100 years ago, is going to be digital and strong communications, then uh, how, how is that going to change cities and what should we pay attention to? Well, people talk about broadband, for example, reaching the haves and the have-nots with respect to connectivity to certain population segments. Well, GIS is on top of that digital infrastructure is a new kind of infrastructure. I like to call it the geospatial infrastructure. And this geospatial infrastructure just needs to be taken care of, just like roads are taken care of to accommodate the automobiles, just like water infrastructure needs to be taken care of, just like social infrastructure of various types of, have been built up over the last hundred years. And these are all the responsibilities of cities. Geospatial infrastructure, this digital model 
uh, digital twin of the city is increasingly becoming a foundation which will guide and help people make better decisions. I mean, we have digitized it all and we're building these apps so that we can see into the city like the COVID mapping app, uh, the, you know, the dashboards of what the city is spending money on uh, is connecting citizens to city governments, to policymakers. Policymakers are getting connected with their citizens. A new generation of democracy is emerging through digital. And the workers in the cities are operating through little, uh, you know, cell phones to connect to the digital infrastructure called geospatial infrastructure, like where are the water lines, where are the brakes, where are the road problems. So we are moving to we are moving to this geospatial infrastructure, which is an, an essential element for at the policy level and at the operational level for managing the city. And this uh, this gets me excited actually because. It means that, well, we're spending all this money on fixing and modernizing the physical infrastructure, which one might argue is at least 100 years, invented 100 years ago with technologies then. What about the geospatial infrastructure? We should really spend money on that because the value of it is, you know, it creates more efficient cities. It helps people communicate more effectively. It creates better decision-making, you know, introduces science and data-driven management, decision-making, and uh, communication to everybody. So, um, well, you can see where I'm at on this today. Right. I think that today's technology is emerging rapidly because of the pandemic, just like automobiles did 100 years ago. And smart policy and people in cities have to really pick this idea up and say, wow, let's let's modernize our city or transform the city with digital geospatial infrastructure to uh, run it. Yeah, that's interesting on many levels. I was deputy mayor of New York for a while, and no matter how big and important New York City is, eventually I would cross a bridge into New Jersey, or no matter how good our water department was, the water was shipped from upstate New York down to the city, right? Uh, we fill in the blank, right? And so you're your answer, your last two answers actually kind of go together because in this distributed system, there are many different communities that have views or many different agencies that have views. So, and I've been thinking that the president's infrastructure bill should include infrastructure to manage infrastructure. So yes. just help us as, as clearly as you can define geospatial infrastructure. So if we wanted to make a case that said the, the funding of infrastructure should include geospatial infrastructure, the, the platform itself, how would, how would you define that? Just for, help me with that. Well, it's taking all of the paper and digital records about geographic stuff in the city and organizing it in such a way that it's open and accessible and integratable. So I have clear uh, ideas. I don't know if uh, your listeners could really visualize it with me, but the idea would be each stovepipe system, it's exposed through open data and open map services. And then a key element of this infrastructure is a portal that allows the data to be referenced in a kind of catalog. And I can grab from this portal different map layers and mash them up or overlay them dynamically together. Many cities are beginning to do that. But then in some cities, they're making that available through what they call a hub, where they can take all of this information and communicate with their citizens around key initiatives like uh, fixing roads, fixing parks, uh, 
uh, addressing community issues uh, ranging from physical stuff to social stuff of many types. And they start to hold conversations around maps. And the maps are coming from the various departments and citizens can begin to mash up these maps and see relationships between things and come to conclusions that often government people don't even see. You know, the citizens are cross-cutting in a way that they see the city. And maps are uh, offer this opportunity for unifying or integrating data and, and uh, working on, on problems that are uh, of a powerful nature. So I don't know, Stephen, if I'm really defining infrastructure, yeah. geospatial infrastructure, it's really geospatial content unified in an information system that could be brought together dynamically to solve complex problems. And these and complex problems are related to the physical world, like like roads or housing or uh, or social issues, mm -hmm. everything from policing to social welfare. I know we don't have you very long, and I've got a bunch of questions. I'm going to do this as quickly. So listening to you talk, I was thinking about two things. One was uh, Mayor Garcetti showing off to me his uh, way he organized all his open data on a geo hub. Uh, and how that allowed engagement. The other thing I was thinking about was uh, recent developments in Chicago 311, where they're, they provided uh, GIS tools to community groups for purposes of looking at what's happening to their infrastructure on a community level. Is either one or both of those an example of what you're talking about? Yeah, they build on top of the infrastructure. So infra geospatial infrastructure is probably a technical, you know, propeller head kind of uh, idea. It's really geographic data interconnected using web services in a kind of portal, which is an open portal to make it accessible. But yeah, Mayor Garcetti first saw the power of bringing GIS together to bring his city together. And he loved that. The first time I met him, he was just uh, all excited about GIS itself. But then he actually had the idea of making all of that information available, not as raw data, but as map services out to citizens and uh, began to work on his key initiatives that he wanted to really work on during his tenure here and see if he could get citizens to comment around geographic mapped information like road conditions or park conditions or graffiti in the city. And that pattern has been picked up literally by dozens and dozens of communities now across the US but across the world. The city of Escondido is one that I'm most familiar with, has most recently gotten all these people to volunteer to help the city do their work by uh, catalyzing key issues and initiatives around maps. And people would volunteer to clean up trash or to, to uh, address uh, social and physical issues in their city. That's a very powerful way to do it. Uh, Jack, just a few more questions. I, can you help me? Uh, so one of the things that's most interesting to me is how the GIS platform I met 25 years ago now is a cloud-based platform and how you think about LIDAR or BIM or 3D or big data, just it's almost breathless. I mean, it really drone data. And I know you can't describe each of those, but just a statement about the current Kind of state of the art and where it's going that that so dynamically brings alive the, the positions you've been mentioning. Well, all of this data is becoming more available and cheaper. So cities want a platform where it can all be integrated and made available. And that logically is a GIS system. 
things like uh, drone data can now fly over a city. Drones can fly over a city in a couple hours capture um, in quite great detail, uh, a raster 3D picture of the city. And what our users are doing is taking their traditional 2D information and they're fusing it with these 3D pictures. So you can bring up the 3D picture and, it's, and zoom around it and fly around it and then poke at the 3D picture, but the 2D information is still inside of the, the picture. And uh, so people are 3Dizing their cities. They're also integrating BIM, what the engineers and architects are building in with the GIS so that there's a seamless digital twin. So just like people update financial records record at a time, they change a record, they add a record, they delete a record. What's occurring with BIM is they can add a BIM into the GIS almost like it's a transaction for a change. So the city becomes suddenly 3Dized and um, transactionally alive. So traditional GIS has been static. What we're moving to is dynamic and 3D or multi-dimension GIS. And moreover, it's not just the data models or what you can see through the data models, it's also it's becoming accessible. So on devices like my iPhone here, I can actually access across the web, this living dynamic changing cities. And I know this is something you care about, which is, is policies that interconnect citizens to their government. And so you say, well, we can have open data as a stage in the history of informatics and in cities, but the, what they really want to have is their information in context. And that really means maps and 3D visualizations. So I'm very excited with, you know, we're, we're learning how to measure and, and monitor virtually everything that changes in the city, a kind of living digital city, and then make it accessible such that it's not just for a few specialists in stovepipe departments, but it's able to be dynamically fused and seen by, by everyone. And then of course, citizens can get more engaged. Jack, let me uh, just ask you maybe one last question. So I've had recently, uh, both in the columns on Data Smart City Solutions that I have at Harvard in this podcast, we featured a number of stories about the NAACP and the YMCA who are looking at policy making geographically, right? Whether it's voting rights or census or the delivery of, of services equally. And I know that Esri has been very important as a foundational for those uh, areas, right? I mean, the, y, the, the NAACP uh, has used mapping and supported its local. So just kind of maybe in closing, to tell us a little bit how you think GIS can support advocacy groups, particularly advocacy groups for equity. Mm -hmm. uh, you have another few hours. <laughs> yeah, and it's a very exciting subject. Uh, we have been working on a series of templates that are easily downloadable and usable that really allow communities to create a, a lens, an ethnic, an ethnic lens or a racial equity lens to their city. That really means maps that you can kind of overlay on top of other things or other things can be overlaid on top of this racial mosaic of characteristics that are typical in every city, I mean, variations. Um, the city of Austin particularly has developed a new website that allows all action in the city like CIP funding to be overlaid on top of this uh, racial equity lens. Let's just call it that a framework, a web map. 
And so we can see before actually the money is spent or before the action is taken, what the impacts we on this and see it in terms of uh, equity. So I like, I like this idea that we can make available to our users templates that allow them to overlay geographically on top of the subjects that they're working on or the phenomena that they're working on uh, this, this equity lens. Now, I said that was the last question, but actually this is the last question. So, <laughs> okay. um, um, you're one of the uh, country's uh, world's uh, leading environmental advocates and philanthropists. And, and we see, I mean, just the, de just the definition of the word ecosystem, obviously started there and we apply it now kind of willy nilly, but how did you unlock so much value with mapping for sustainability and, and environmental causes that we could think about those principles and apply them to equity. Always been impressed about what you did for the environment. What can we learn from that that we can port over to geospatial infrastructure or equity in particular? And I promise that's my last question. Oh, well, uh, GIS is actually built on geography, the science of our world, which encompasses virtually all of our world, both the physical side as, as well as the social side and, and also the biological side. And what geography provides us is a framework where we can look at relationships and patterns, how these things are interconnected, how we can see what happens here affects something over there. And so in ecological modeling on a geographic plane, we can see how things are interrelated like predator prey or food chains or movements of animals across uh, geography. Exactly the same kinds of models pertain to human activities. We're, we're interrelated. What, what happens over here, as we saw with COVID, affects what's happening over here. And being able to define in explicit terms in databases and also in the maps that can view them, we can come to understand situations better. And that understanding, as uh, our common friend Richard Saul Werman talks about, precedes action. It should precede action. So I'm really very interested in advancing the urban models that allow us to understand these relationships, whether they be transportation modeling or allocation of the right infrastructure at the right location uh, and inter interrelating it to the other infrastructures uh, like buildings and water and pavements and roads and physical facilities and also the, the social interaction using geography. So these, from my perspective, it's, it's uh, they're all interrelated, actually, they're interconnected. And GIS allows us to define what those interconnections are and then analyze them and then make better decisions as a result of it. This is really what GIS and urban planning are really moving to as a, as a technology. Thank you very much. This is Steve Goldsmith, Professor of Urban Policy at Harvard's Kennedy School with Jack Dangerman, futurist, environmental philanthropist, and oh, by the way, CEO of Ezra. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you, Stephen. If you like this podcast, please visit us at datasmartcities.org or follow us at datasmartcities on Twitter. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced by Betsy Gardner and hosted by me, Steve Goldsmith. We're proud to serve as a central resource for cities interested in the intersection of government, data, and innovation. Thanks for listening.